the Ghost Goal Podcast. We saw a hectic return to the Premier League action last weekend as the top two teams both fell when Arsenal lost 1-0 to Sean Dyche's Everton side in his first gaming charge and Manchester City handed Spurs a 1-0 win with Harry Kane taking his place as Tottenham's all-time leading scorer on Sunday. We've got all that plus plenty more action up and down the league to talk about. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to the Ghost Goal Podcast, episode 396. Javier, it's a, uh, a rare occurrence indeed, where uh, Arsenal have lost a game for only the second time this season. Uh, first of all, how are you doing? Had a good weekend other than that? Yeah, no, I mean, it was, uh, I wasn't actually too down after the loss. I was, uh, you know, I, I, I knew we were going to lose games this season. It wasn't going to be a, uh, there's no way we were going to keep up that, you know, 50 point in the first half of the season form again, especially because we hadn't played City at all. We hadn't played Everton. Um, and we hadn't played Newcastle. So, you know, now that we've played Everton and Newcastle, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit more of an equaliz- equalized state here. So I wasn't I wasn't too uh, too down about the loss. But then City won, or City lost, and it was almost like an Arsenal win. Like, I, dare I say, dare I say, almost. As, uh, as another Arsenal fan uh, I know from college was saying on Twitter, even when we lose, we win. Uh, so you can't you can't help feel like everything's just turning up in Arsenal's uh, favor this season, even when it's it's not going right for them. Um, I, I do want to talk about that game, but uh, I do think not just for you know the sort of top six clash nature of it, but also for what's taken place off the field. We do have to start with this Tottenham Manchester City game. Um, it, it's was somewhat of a shock, even though uh, City have a very poor record. Hey, I called it, Alex. I mean, Tottenham. I said 2-2, but I said I thought there was going to be an... Like, we've... Every time, we always... I, I, you know, I, I like I said last time on the pod, you know, we always say Tottenham, oh, they're a bogey team for City, but we never call it. And you always call City to win, and I usually agree with you. I wish I'd said t- the Tottenham win, because, like... You know, it, they were good for it. They were actually really, really good in this game. I thought uh, it was one of their better performances of the season. I thought they basically kept Holland to no touches on the ball almost the entire game. Um, Holland and was, when he did touch it, he had to come very, very deep very into deep. midfield yeah, it was, just to uh, get involved. It was super impressive how they were able to neutralize Holland. And while players like Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, you know, De Bruyne when he came on. Which was kind of odd to have De Bruyne on the bench, by the way, because I feel like he's been—he's a you know, big part of Holland's success throughout the season. Um, but I thought that they, you know, didn't take the chances in the space that they had to uh, to you know test Romero more or uh, Loris more, and uh, even with the red card, they didn't—they just didn't create enough. I mean, they had that one really good Mars chance that you know went off the crossbar, probably should have gone in in the first half. That was, uh, you know, really unfortunate from City. City played, I think, you know, pretty well in the first half. But then it's it's kind of been this way for City now for a while now, ever since the the World Cup break. You know, City start well games. They generally, you know, obviously dominate possession. They start pinning teams back. But they haven't necessarily been taking their chances right now. Um, Holland has, but the rest of the team... Not really, you know, earlier in the season, you had Foden scoring goals, you had Cancelo scoring goals, you had Gundogan, 
you know, I guess now it's really just occasionally Mares, you know, one or two from Grealish since the World Cup break, and then all Holland. So it's it's becoming a very one-dimensional team. Uh, the way that they play has definitely changed with Holland, you know, and it's a kind of a team in transition where I think City are going to have to not clean out the team, but they're going to have to move probably three to four players out, uh, you know, like they did last summer and bring in new talent that plays well with the game plan of Erling Holland. Because right now, while Erling Holland's getting goals and they're finding ways of getting goals to him, they were earlier in the season, you know, it, it still feels like it's too forced right now. Like it's a almost a one dimensional plan and the rest of the players, you know, they don't have really a plan B. You know, they, they, they have shots from distance, but it's almost everything seems to almost all try to end at Holland's feet or at, or at his head. And teams are starting to adapt to that. And they're starting to, to keep Holland out. They're starting to make it harder for him. They're starting to, you know, push him around, hit him, you know, to, you know get him angry. And he's still kind of young. He's still, you know, this is his first season in the Premier League. I know he's been scoring a ton of goals, but that's what comes when you're the striker for Manchester City and... You need to stay healthy and you, you, you know, you get all the chances. I, I'm not saying that any player in the world could do this, but there's probably quite a few strikers who could have, you know, 17 to 20 goals right now in Holland's position if the, the whole team changed the way that they played to, to accommodate them. So for City, I'd, I, like, that's why I think, you know, for Arsenal, it's a, it's a great season to be competing with them, even though they have the best player in the league. They're still figuring out that there's still growing pains going on with exactly. accommodating still, a player like Holland. There's still, like, you know, it's not perfect. We've made comparisons to like when Chelsea brought in Lukaku. Like there, there was a much shorter period at the beginning when Chelsea brought in Lukaku, and most Chelsea fans and a lot of neutrals were picking Chelsea to at least compete for the league. A lot of people were saying we could have won the league at the beginning of that last season. But when it went wrong for Chelsea, it went much worse than it has been for Manchester City and Holland. But you're seeing some of the same sorts of issues where it's not that they need to force feed the ball to Holland, but there does need to be more of a concerted effort to, uh, you know, be a bit more direct when it counts. And there's players like Grealish, who I don't think was terrible in this Tottenham game. But the ball does seem to kind of stick to him and lose all sort of fluidity and momentum in regards to the team as a whole when it goes out to Grealish. And I think the argument for signing him was that Manchester City needed a player like that to sort of take attention away from their their other players and draw defenders over to that one side and, you know, open up spaces for people on the back post. But he just hasn't completely uh, fit in in that exact way. It, it seems to have just gone a bit stagnant trying to make it work with Grealish. Now, whether that can be fixed or not, we're, we're going to see. But I, I do think it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty big issue that a player like think of someone like Leroy Sané, who is at Manchester City. He's a much more direct threat and much more comfortable with hugging that uh, that sideline and stretching defenses. Uh, they're, they're so was Raheem Sterling, so width. was Gabriel Jesus. Raheem Sterling as well. Yeah, those players are gone, and they don't have those same sort of direct cutting influences out in wide areas that they, they did before. And, you know, the other players who can play out wide, Mares, who's kind of 
hit or miss when he's the, good. He's really good, like in that last Tottenham game. The biggest thing that City are missing when they had those players, right, when they were playing Gabriel Jesus, Raheem Sterling, and, you know, prime Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sané, they would just blitz you, right? They, they also had Aguero in the team, so that they would have that in the front four, and they would score three goals in the first 10 minutes or, you know, four in the first 20, and they would do that to team after team after team after team. We have not seen that from City this season. They have blown teams away. We have. No, we they have, have blown teams games, away. With right. Holland. With Holland. But it, and it'll be in a period of like, you know, usually in the second half. We haven't seen it like happen early on. You know, they don't, City aren't that team. They're not scoring super early. They're not like frenetic anymore. That's the, that's the word that I like, that I don't, they, they don't have that same energy that they've had in these last five years. You know, they've won four out of the last five years. It's possible that they're a little bit, you know, some of these players are, like I said, the squad needs to be refreshed. Some of these players, they've they've won four out of the last five titles. You know, they've been in crazy title title chases with Liverpool and not saying they're giving up, but I think this team wants to win the Champions League with Guardiola this year. And that's ultimately what they're going to try to do. Um, I think that's really where the players' minds are at and where Holland's mind is at as well. So I'm sure they want to win the Premier League. But I think they know that they're going to win the Premier League with Holland at some point. You know, maybe it's not a hundred percent what the what their full focus is on this season. Yeah, but you, and you do have to give Tottenham credit as well, uh, even without Antonio Conte, who you know had to have surgery a few days before the game to have part of his gallbladder removed. Uh, we're not sure yet how long he's going to be off the the touchline for, but uh, his assistant took over the game and um, obviously got the win. That so that must seemingly have been a galvanizing force for the team and uh so that they defended excellently you have to give them credit for that and then uh their high press once again just like we saw in that uh eventual 4-2 loss they had at the etihad they got rewards um this time early on for pressing high and forcing a mistake from uh, that that city back line except this time it was rogery who just handed the ball to Hoiberg on a silver platter. He squared it to Kane, and Kane got himself the record as Tottenham's all-time leading goal scorer with 267 goals. He uh, passed Chelsea Academy graduate Jimmy Greaves to uh, take that record, and he became only the third player in Premier League history to get to 200 goals in the league, next to Wayne Rooney and Alan Shearer. So, a historic day for Tottenham. Um, it keeps them in that that top four race as well. They they can't stress it enough. They really needed a win here, um, with you know Manchester United winning against Palace and Newcastle uh, getting a draw, but you know still not losing. Um, it, it, this was absolutely had to have this one for Tottenham. So um, a really good day for them. But uh, things just got worse for Manchester City. I, I feel like we really do have to touch on this, even though we're running a bit over on on this game specifically. Uh, earlier today on Monday, pretty much this morning, what we woke up to the news that uh, the Premier League have basically brought down sanctions on Manchester City. It's the culmination of a four-year in, uh, investigation into financial improprieties, mainly related to the sort of artificial inflation of incoming revenue through sponsorships. This all kicked off when Der Spiegel took, uh, or I guess they... Uh, acquired information from uh, a Portuguese hacker, Rui Pinto, uh, where he hacked Manchester City uh, owners' servers and basically leaked this information 
about how they had in artificially inflated their own uh, revenue reporting uh, over a period of multiple years. They had paid managers such as Roberto Mancini. Well, this is all allegedly, by the way. Uh, Roberto Mancini and uh, even Pep Guardiola, I think, has been you know named in this. They've, they're all being paid officially X amount of money on the books, but then they're they're paid money to like accounts in uh, Abu Dhabi uh, that they are not reporting. And this re- uh, investigation ranges back to I think like two thousand nine. There's very heavy sanctions that are being uh, suggested. Uh, they, they, I mean, anything from points deductions to uh, transfer ban to relegation to, you know, suspension of the league and, you know, being stripped of league titles and things like that. It's uh, very, very significant uh, punishments could be levied at them. And honestly, it's not the same situation that it has been for, you know, I think two years ago they had the uh, the uh, charges from UEFA for breaking financial fair play, and they were able to get that overturned by the court for arbitration for sport in Switzerland. CAS is not involved in this. They will not be able to, you know, uh, appeal that. They'll, they'll be able to get involved with legal action, and I'm sure they will with a whole army of lawyers. Uh, but they're, ultimately their fate is going to come down to a Premier League Judiciary Committee that's going to overlook all of the evidence uh, and basically I think it's like three people two of them financial experts are going to make a decision on this we don't know exactly when but uh, it it was kind of a shock even to Manchester City it was just came out of nowhere earlier today so uh, how much do you think that affects this Manchester City team and their outlook and performance for the rest of this season I don't think it affects them at all for this season and you know no, but I mean the players, the players and their performance. I, I get what you're saying. I don't but think like, it affects this, their by performance the at all. Runs I th- its course. I mean, I think I think it's going to be the type of thing where maybe players might contact their agent and say, "Hey, maybe find me a summer move," or you know, start looking at other teams, start talking to other teams, see what you can shop me around. That could that could have that effect, but I don't think it'll affect like, which could maybe affect a little bit their performance on the field if they are thinking of moving elsewhere. So. Yeah, I mean, it's something to keep your eye on because it's it's not going away. I mean, I guarantee every single player will be calling their lawyer tonight and being like, what does this mean for me? I don't know if the players will because, you know, they're, they're just pawns in the game. This is something that's, you know, uh, on a much higher level and the kind of action that clubs all over the league have been calling for for, you know, well, I mean, 10 if, years now. If, if the lawyer tells you City might get relegated, then, you know, it is concerned. Yeah, for but the players. lawyer the lawyer wouldn't have access to the uh, or to the actual of their information. Titles, you know things like that. Well, if they yeah, yeah exactly. I'm just saying. You know, if you're a player, you might uh you might take these things seriously. So who knows? Who knows how uh, how much it'll affect them? Well, it's something to keep an eye on. But uh, I think we're so we're so used to these things just being overturned and or and or annulled by you know clubs like City and. Just using their their you know and, their resources uh, Chelsea, to yes. fight it. Uh, well, Chelsea was a very specifically different thing. We uh, that was all about uh, inviting kids that like weren't eighteen yet to try out for the academy. This is about literally inflating your accounts through bogus sponsorships that the team owner themselves owns, which you know that's just not going to fly. 
And it's cheating. You know, Ch- Chelsea have never done anything like that, so it's different, Javier. All right, let's get on to uh, you guys. Uh, Arsenal went to uh, Goodison Park, and despite me joking about Sean Dyche putting off, pulling off a Brexit 1-0 win in his first game uh, in charge, he managed to pull it off. Javier, how did he do it? Well, uh, I got to give credit to their two midfielders, man. Idris Gay and uh, Andre Onana, especially Onana. I mean, people were looking at him uh, over the January transfer window. I would have put 45 50 million and, and just tried to get him because he's an absolute beast a physical animal has a great passing range fantastic dribbling you know really hard to get off the ball he reminds me of Paul Pogba you know he's he's but with actual defense great defensive work where I mean fantastic tackler super aggressive I was thinking just, a young Yaya Toure yeah, young Yaya Toure, sure. That's a that's another great comparison. You know, I haven't seen his shooting so far, but passing range, tackling, just overall physical presence on set pieces, all of those things. You know, this guy's uh, this guy's a beast. So huge player for Everton. Interesting Gay was everywhere as well, um, and you know Thomas Partey. He had uh, bruised ribs last week. They were thinking he wasn't going to be fit enough for this game, so I think he was only given 60 minutes. Jorginho came on like right at the 60-minute mark, so it looked like a planned substitution. So that was unfortunate, and then on that 60th-minute mark, on that corner, when Jorginho came on, they scored, which, again, unfortunate because the, the thought went through my mind, like, why are we making this change on a corner? There's going to be confusion. People aren't going to know who to mark, and they've been dangerous on corners, so I actually thought they could score off it and then... When they did, I was just like, "Yeah, that's uh, that's why you don't do that. That's why you don't do that." So, and it was that it was old kind of, Burnley uh, connection, McNeil yeah. to Tarkovsky. McNeil for, to uh, Tarkovsky. I was just like, "God damn it!" With Sean Dyche, I mean, and and good for Sean Dyche. You know, I'm sure for Everton fans as well. You know, we always like gifting, uh, gift, gifting Everton three points when they need it most. And uh, it's now five. It's now five. Five seasons in a row, five seasons in a row, we haven't won at Goodison Park. I mean, it's not just you. It, like, it, Yeah, I mean, it, it happens all the time. It, they, they did it to Chelsea last year. They did it to Manchester City or Manchester United last year. They, they just are very capable, when given a new manager bounce, of you know getting their shit together for 90 minutes, defending their asses off, running more. They covered more distance in this game than they have in any other game the, the entire season. And frankly, there's a little bit of magic when it comes to like Everton when they get new managers. Sean Dyche is the 15th consecutive manager at Everton to be unbeaten in his first game in charge. 15. That's a pretty crazy statistic. Yeah, it's insane. I wish you told me that. I would have predicted Arsenal to like draw or something. Well, I didn't. I didn't realize it until after the result happened. That's when I heard the the stat that 14 of the last managers had you know had been unbeaten. Um, and John Dyche made it, made it 15. We do have a little bit of uh, listener engagement to get to. I want to start doing this a little bit more. Try and pick out one tweet or one email from each week to uh, you know talk about as part of our regular topics on the pod. And we have a tweet from at uh, YoDaCosta97 uh, on, on Twitter. He tweeted the podcast at GoSkullPod. He asked, uh, after this Everton result at the weekend, have you guys changed your relegation picks at all? Javier? What are you thinking? Oh, man, that's really hard. Everton are currently 18th 
uh, on 18 points. Uh, uh, they're there only was, behind Leeds on big, goal difference. There was some other really big results in the relegation, right? Nottingham Forest got a win. You know, uh, we haven't talked about it, but Leeds sacked Jesse Marsh. So yep. that was Leicester uh, City got a win. Wolves got a win over Liverpool, which we'll get to yeah, in a so second. So we don't know. We don't know who leads. If Leeds don't replace Marsh with a decent manager, I could, I could, I could be switched uh, to Leeds, and you know, maybe Everton make it out. But Sean Dyche is uh, an absolute expert at getting the most out of a team with absolute no resources. You know, he did it at Burnley for. Years and years, the man would have maybe one 15 or 20 million pound signing a window, and then that's it. And he would develop young English talent, players that I'd never heard of, you know, Brown Hill and just Ashley just, Barnes. Ashley Barnes, and I'd never heard of, you know, Tarkowski Ashley Westwood. And of, and of all these other guys. Yeah, uh, all these players that he, he would play on his Burnley team, and he would finish, you know, he finished seventh. I think one season or he got into Top Europa half. League. They, they yeah, got into Europa it was, it was League crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, this could be the manager for them. This, this is, this is uh yes or no, Javier. Are they getting relegated this year? Cause we both had picked them to, to be relegated back when Lampard was still manager. I, I'm saying yes. I, I, well, sorry, I'm saying no, I think they, they're going to be safe, but I, I also picked Leeds to get relegated. So yeah, I, I, I might think switch I'm, my, uh, I might switch my pick to Leeds if, uh, this Everton, you know, especially a result like this, this will rejuvenate the team for sure. And Everton have been a menace at home all season, even though they haven't been very good. So I think, you know, a menace like the the, the environment's always, you know, hostile. It's always hard to go to Goodison Park. So, uh, yeah, I, that might change my relegation picks. It's starting to come up as Leeds, Bournemouth, Southampton for me. I think last time we talked about this, I, I kind of theorized that Nathan Jones would be able to turn it around at Southampton. And maybe he still does with some of these new signings that are going to come in. But I'm starting to lean towards Southampton more so just because of the lack of experience in their manager. Uh, Southampton going down, Bournemouth and Leeds. Yeah, I mean, and then Wolves beating Liverpool 3 nils another, you know, if you thought Wolves were going to possibly go down, I mean, this huge result for them, just putting pressure on the teams, you know, in and around them. It's going to be a yeah, brutal let, relegation let, Let's fight. talk about that one, because uh, Wolves became the latest of, it seems like, many teams that have hosted Liverpool of late and beaten them soundly. They beat Liverpool 3 nil on the uh, Saturday 10 a.m., one of those 10 a.m. fixtures, uh, they were up 2-0 after 12 minutes, a Matip own goal in the fifth minute and a Craig Dawson goal in the 12th minute. Really freak before, start, uh, to be fair, to Liverpool. Just freak own goal and then kind of, Kind of, know. but we, we've seen like Brighton do this to them as well. Brighton are a much better team than Wolves, but it's uh, it's it's starting to look like it's an issue that's much deeper than just, you know, Virgil van Dijk is out. You know, the, it, it, we've talked about their sort of underperforming midfield and forward line as well. Like, name me one area of the field where you think Liverpool are doing well so far this season. You can't really do it. The players that they've usually leaned on for their experience, you know, yeah, Andy Robertson is playing. Season? Yeah, I don't know who you would pick. It's it's a struggle, for sure. Uh, Cody Gakpo still hasn't scored. Doesn't really look like scoring. Darwin Nunez still looks soft and, and wasteful. It's... Uh, <laughs> 
it doesn't look like it's going to get better anytime soon because I, I think Ibrahima Konate picked up an injury just before this. So now there's no Van Dijk or Konate and you're left to rely on players like Joe Gomez at center back who just looks like he's like drowning in front of you. Like he, he just can't handle it. And there's no excuse that he's too young and not experienced enough. He's just not good enough. And there's plenty of other players you could say that about. But this, this is undoubtedly a huge win for Wolves. They, they've been lacking goals all season. They start with a, a two up top of, uh, or sorry, three up top of uh, Huang, uh, Sarabia, who they just brought in from PSG, and uh, Mateus Cunha. That's like a Champions League level front three. <laughs> like I know those players like didn't end up scoring, but like Huang's movement for the first goal uh, and Sarabia, the ball that he played in behind that eventually ended in the Matip own goal. Uh, that, that looked much sharper and had much more chemistry between those two players than you saw for the duration of the 90 minutes from Liverpool. Um, my main question for you, Javier, is why aren't Liverpool getting the same sort of like heat and pressure that Chelsea are? Is it just because they haven't spent the money and Chelsea have? No, because uh, they did spend a hundred million on Darwin Nunes. They spent, you know, they they did spend the money, but I think they've won enough. You know, they've won the Champions League. So have we? They've won the league. Okay, not quite. <laughs> and. <laughs> Didn't and didn't they win a double last year? FA Cup and uh, they won two cups last year, League but Cup. didn't score in either of the finals and had to win it on penalties. So, so I mean, they've they've had a bunch of trophies in these last five years. It's been their golden era of the Premier League, and I don't know if it's coming to an end. I think it might just be you know Ferguson and Wenger had these years too, where there would be an off year. You know, they would have a title a couple of years where they would win one or two titles in a row and then they would, you know, probably not be as good for that next year and then they would go back to being really good in a year or two. Sometimes it might take even a two years to to completely transition the team back if they, if Klopp's going to be there in the long term, um, which I think he just signed a new contract. So, you know, I think Klopp's going to still be there for a while and it might just be that he needs to move on some more players, get more new signings in the summer, Um you know, it, I think Liverpool have money. They have the support. You know, I don't. They have an amazing stadium. They're still in the Champions League too, so I'm sure for them, they're not. You know, their stadium, their their season's not over in the league. It probably is playing Real Madrid though, who themselves aren't doing too well, but uh, still a daunting task. I, I would be pretty worried if I was a Liverpool fan because if they don't get Champions League, then it's going to be that much harder to get the players that they want, like a Jude Bellingham. If they don't have that that you know carrot to dangle in front of him, and if they have to spend more money to make that happen, well, and the give only him way Chelsea or deal, Liverpool are getting Champions League is if you guys win. Well, the here's Champions the main. League. It's the only way. Yeah, sure. I, yeah, but I'm saying not assuming, they, assuming Liverpool don't get into the Champions League next season, they would have to spend more and, and go the extra mile to convince a player like Jude Bellingham, for example, to come to to Liverpool now. Their owners have just put the club up for sale. What, what's to incentivize those owners to put another hundred million plus into a club that they plan on selling? I don't see it. You know, it makes sense that like once they once a new ownership group buys Liverpool, then yeah, they'll go all out, just like uh, Chelsea's owners have. Maybe not to the same degree, but to some degree, to get new players and to stamp their sort of authority on the club. 
But in the meantime, while the club is still looking for someone to sell to, and there's not many who have the, the capital to make that move happen and then spend even more on getting Liverpool back to that same level, I'd be, I'd be pretty worried if I was a Liverpool fan as well. So, uh, and, and there's something similar going on at Manchester United, though they've managed to find some uh, stability during that, uh, during that time. But the Glazers are still trying to sell. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Uh, all right, what do we want to talk about next? I think so, we should mention this Nottingham Forest Leeds yeah, game. Yeah, I was about to say uh, that that was a that was a nice relegation six pointer for Nottingham Forest. I think they now have a six point gap. Six points. Yep, yeah. they're on twenty four up in thirteenth place. They're unbeaten in the their last five at least, with three wins and two draws in that time. Uh, they, yeah, they completely Forrest turned really turn things Steve around. Cooper. Yeah, I mean, I it just you know for them. If you look at their starting 11 from now and you look at it from the start of the season, it's completely changed. And they've finally been able to integrate a lot of those players that we were talking about earlier in the season as players that they needed, you know, to get into the lineup. I talked about Kaylor Navas. He was yeah, he had huge, a great debut. Fucking amazing in this game. Had I think eight or nine saves, you know, was great off corners, just an influence the whole entire time and you know, really liked how he, how he played. Uh, I thought, you know, Froiler and Gibbs White were really good in midfield. Danilo had a had a you know decent cameo, uh, got yellow carded and I think got taken off because of that. But then they they had, you know, players like uh, Serge Aurier coming on who who played pretty decently. Um, I think Jack Colback he's you know decent off the bench. You know, you don't want that guy starting, but you know they 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 brought on Andre Ayew, Sam Surridge. Decent, decent bench now for uh, for Forrest, and their starting eleven looks a lot better than it did at the beginning of the season. So I'm kind of hopeful for them. You know, I think uh, the, these last few results, this run of form, is going to push them in that uh, that direction. Now for Leeds, I, I didn't think Leeds played badly. Uh, I thought they had they had a lot of possession. They, you know, were able to get some decent chances off, especially. You know, there was a couple of Bamford chances that he missed that were really bad. You know, Ganato had a couple chances. Sinistera had a chance. You know, and and Weston McKinney came on. I don't know. I don't know why you fired Jesse Marsh. I don't know why you let Jesse Marsh buy Maximilian Wober, buy or you know bring in Weston McKinney, and then you fire him one game. You know, a couple games in Jorginho Rudder as well. I don't know. It just it seems like he's you think built he might a, have something to do with the fact that they haven't won a league game since November 5th when they beat Bournemouth. And even that was, they, they had to come back like late to, to win that 4-3. Oh, they've wow. got some wins in the cup since then. Yeah, no, it's been since before the, the World Cup break. So They are hovering on that relegation zone. So They're watching these teams around United them, next. like Everton and you know Wolves and West Ham start to creep up out of that relegation zone, and they've just been sort of slowly sinking further and further. To I mean, they're only ahead of Everton on goal difference at the moment, both on 18 points. Uh, Leeds are in 17th place, just, just ahead of Everton. So... I think it had something to do with all of those good results for the clubs around them in that relegation battle, plus them losing a six-pointer. I have a shout-out right now. I I think Crystal Palace are in a little bit of trouble. No. Zaha Zaha looks like he might be out for a while. Um, he has like a I think a you know pretty bad hamstring injury, and you know who knows if he's ever going to come back to to being good for the rest of the season. I know Elise has been playing pretty well for them, but up, they've been on a really bad 12. run of form. 
I know I know they're only six points off of it as well, but I they've mean, had to play you're... teams. Javier, listen to their last couple of games. Man United away, they lost. Newcastle at home, draw nil nil. United, Manchester United uh, again at home, got a late goal to draw. Uh, lost at Chelsea, lost at home to Tottenham. Like, do you think that might have something to do with it? Because it's a tough schedule. I know Chelsea aren't at their best right now. Well, but they play Brighton next, so like, yeah, probably it's not, not going to win easier. there. Yeah, but I, I think they've they've done enough. I, I'm pretty certain that it's the it's the Nottingham Forest in 13th, and that they're down. Those are the teams that should be concerned. Palace, I think, their defense is just good enough that they'll remain lower mid table. Maybe there is a run of results. Leicester, I think Leicester turned it around a little bit here with, uh, you know, I told you they needed Madison back in the team. Once they got Madison into the team, you know, they've got now got a draw against Brighton that they should have won. And then they got an, a great away win, honestly, at Villa. There was an own goal and an early goal from Aston Villa. And Leicester City still, you know, came back, came roaring back, equalized 2-2 and then got the 3-2 before halftime. And then, you know, even added a, a fourth in the, the second half. And Ihanacho was looked really good. I don't know why he doesn't play more for Leicester. I think he's going to be starting from now on. Um, Pats and Daka didn't even come on. I think Jamie Vardy came on in the second half. But I think look, look for Ihanacho to be, uh, you know, there was a, a run of form last season where he scored in like five or six games in a row. And he's a player who I've always kind of had a little bit of a soft spot for. And I still think that, you know, one day he could come good because there was times when he was, you know, 18, 19 years old when he was playing for Manchester City where he looked like he was going to be world class. And You do this like once this a year, game. Javier. I do, I do. Every time do. he has like a good game or two, you're just like, oh, keep an eye out for Iannaccio. Like, Well, okay, no, I sure. just I think once they had the full team, I really liked uh, Tete. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, we've got to Tete. They came we, on. He we missed him on the... Goal. The deadline day pod. He, yeah. They got him from uh, Lyon, and he had scored six goals so far this season for Lyon while being on loan from Shakhtar Donetsk. That's a very nifty little signing there, and I'm kind of annoyed at myself for forgetting about that one when we, we talked about those transfers. But last he looked week. really good with Harvey Barnes on the wings, and then you know they had that Dewsbury Hall, Madison Thielman's midfield, which is actually a really, really good midfield. Um, and like you said, Harry Sutar, he looked good. Um, you know what they had him uh, scored no goal, but yeah, he still looks good. Victor Christensen and uh, Wout Face three. They now have three pretty good center backs. They don't even have to play Soyonachu, um, who you know looks like he wants to. He wanted to leave in in January, and he's probably going to leave in the summer. But I think just improvement overall, and and they were able to bring some decent players off the bench. I I, I don't think Leicester are in any trouble for relegation at all. I think they've kind of turned it around as well. All right, we got time for one more game. What's it going to be? Newcastle drawing again. I think that's no, that's a, no, no, no. I think I was you just want to talk about Man United. No, no. Oh, I just, was... I'm just mentioning. I'm just saying. You know, that's that's a. It was a great, good result for West Ham because West Ham could have even gone out and won the game there. So I don't know if West Ham are turning it around a little bit, but David Moyes still in the job. Also Brighton, Matoma, again, Alex. How many how many pods in a row am I going to be like Matoma? He did it again. He got the winner, Alex. He's the best player in the league. So I said he's, it. I said he's it. a better he's a better left winger than Martinelli right now. One hundred percent. Okay, not close. Is is he better than Marcus Rashford? One hundred percent. Wow! Just literally watch this guy play. He's so good. No, I, but I, I have I, been. He's excellent. 
I can't find room for him in my fantasy team, so I feel like I'm a fraud. And all these other people are just he's got a he's got a he's got a blank he keeps getting up soon du- anyway. he keeps getting double digit points. I think it's his third or fourth week in a row with double digit points, and I'm just like, well, you know what? I'll just keep saying that he's the greatest, and then you know, not acting on it. Just reverse jinx him. Just bring him back down to earth with a with a jinx. All right, Alex, you got to talk about your your nil nil with Fulham. How'd you like seeing your uh, Michaelo Modric with a cold apparently and uh, your garbage cans run around for a little while? Your uh, four five hundred six hundred million dollar team running around for a little while. How'd you How'd you like that, Alex? Growing pains. How'd you we're, like your uh, bully uh, bolly you know, uh, bully bolly money ball uh, approach? It's looking oh. good. We're uh, we've got three games in a row in the league with clean sheets. Badia Shiel and uh, Thiago Silva were, you know, two of no, the no, best no, no. players. No, no, don't talk about field. Thiago Silva. That's an old. That's an old uh, name. We Enzo want to talk. Fernandez. We want to hear the new names, Alex. Enzo so, yeah. Oh, Madueke uh, was amazing. Noni was amazing when he came no, on. Right. See, this is what he does. He he, <laughs> he asked me a Chelsea question and then tries to rant over me as I answer. Uh, Enzo Fernandez looked very good as like our only midfielder. He he, he held up well. Uh, something to build off of. We're we're building from the back. Going to let these new players nah, settle. Enzo was a and god. He looked, us, he looked like immediately us, uh, like he's uh, super he's high quality. Doing it again. Doing it again. But uh, what else? Alex, else? You don't want to mention no. Madueke coming on in the second half, looking I, good. I, I, I mean, every time I try to talk, you're, you're you know you're, you're talking over me. No, you're, Alex, go ahead, please. Do you want please. to hear from the Chelsea fan or yes, not? Yes, go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. <laughs> I needed to, you know, I have to, I have to make fun of you because you're you're too head over heels about all these players, and you ended up getting a nil nil draw, which is you know pathetic and laughable. So you're you're still mid table club. You bought Javier, all these players and you're still Javier, made You just club. lost to the 18th place team in the league. Uh, Fulham are in eighth, you know. That's the fourth time we've dropped points this season. They're a decent team. And they'd just beaten us like two weeks ago or three weeks ago. So uh, with all these new faces in the squad, I, I think a nil-nil draw times. is not the worst. I think people are making too much out of the, the fact that we didn't have many shots on target. But frankly, Kai Havertz should have had a brace in the first half alone. He missed an easy chance that Mason Mount put on a plate for him, and then he hit the post when he was one v one with uh, Leno. Oh, that was that that the the hit the post one was really Fofana. unlucky. David Daxro Fofana should have scored in the second half when he was rounded that the one where he rounded the keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He should have scored. Well, no, that. but so, the 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 three the, the the one that was the Havertz one where he uh, I I don't know who it was who crossed it in. Who was that who crossed it in? The cross was from Mount. Mount, yeah, beautiful yeah. cross, and then Havertz just. Skyed it, Ugh. yeah, awful. Skies Take him that out of the shit. team. Shaw Felix is done with his three-game suspension from that red card in the first Fulham game. He'll be back for West Ham next week. I think you could. Uh, we'll, we'll see some good things from this Chelsea team very soon. You need to. You need to have more goals than Holland. It's just depressing every every week that goes on that you have as an entire team have less goals than Erling Holland. It's it's just it's a depressing statistic that comes out every week. I might need to reach out to Andrew to see if he can find a way to make a bet happen uh, for Chelsea to finish the season with fewer goals scored as a team than Erling Holland. I feel like you can get some good odds on you that. You only have 22 goals right now, and Holland is 25. So, I mean, it's right. not like un, it's not like actually that crazy. I mean, Holland will have to start scoring again, but, you know, and Chelsea would need to be as shit going forward as we have been for most of the season. Well, I mean, but, you know, as, uh, Holland has 25 goals. I think we should goals. turn it around kind of soon. Yeah, but they goal scoring 53 wise. goals, so he's not even half their goals. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. All right, let's wrap things up there. Javier, thanks for jumping on this one. Uh, late at night, as usual, after work, you're a trooper. If you want to follow Javier on Twitter, you can follow him at JavierRev9. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ASMOS92. And you can follow the podcast socials at Ghost Goal Pod. Send us your questions. Send us your, uh, you, you know, want to make a point. At Ghost Goal Pod. Put that out there on Twitter. Put us on the spot. DM us on uh, on Instagram if you if you please. If you want to send us an email instead, you're old-fashioned. It's ghostgoalpod at gmail.com. Uh, so send those our way. We'll pick at least one to uh, read out and address next week. And uh, you know what? I'll throw in there. If you if you send us a tweet, I'll have the Ghost Goal Pod uh, account follow you back on Twitter and or Instagram. So you can gain one extra follower by sending us a, uh, a question or remark. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and leave a rating and review. Those help new listeners find the pod. And we always appreciate it anytime you guys can uh, help us grow this thing. Enjoy next week's Premier League games. And until next time, see you. <laughs>